Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Basti Ecruel, Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. I have been trying to secure my first guest for a long time because she is one of the most important figures in the sport, whichever way you slice it. Sheba from Polly's Mark, her back in third lady Jane Digby, Clive Fox in Clover, she runs around close home, but Sheba makes it back-to-back win. Dream Ahead trying to get through, Hitch is just in behind that, fading breath in front, Dream Ahead though joining in with Hayley Turner and Dream Ahead has won the Darling July Cup. An extraordinarily significant day for Hayley Turner. Margot did it in front though, chased by Hamish McGonagall, another group one for Hayley Turner, Margot did win. Shaden now with just a nose in front. It will be Shaden who takes the first of Clyde for Lady Cecil and Haley Turner. Forest Ranger from Eugenio inside the final furlong. Forest Ranger needs the line. Eugenio is going to find it first. Well, she has been a pioneer, a trendsetter, the most successful female jockey the UK has ever produced. Hayley Turner, welcome. Good morning. Hello. All right. I thought you were watching that with a mixture of enjoyment and not embarrassment, but slight, <laughs> slight humility. Anyway, it's it's been a, it's been a great career. You got to you got to enjoy it and revel in it. Surely. Yeah, I do. I do. I think um, when you're riding, though, you don't you kind of don't appreciate what you've done until you stop and and look back. So. Yeah, no, it's been fun. I've had a, a lot of good times over the years. You, you have stopped a couple of times. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll come to that <laughs> a little bit later. But you seem really happy and settled. Just your whole demeanour seems seems like you're in a good place. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. I've um, I think stopping did me good actually, and um, I've just been able to manage manage myself better since I've been back riding and you know, not trying to do everything mm -hmm. and keep everyone happy and be a little bit more selfish, really, but it seems to be working well, so. Well, there's selfish and there's, there's self-contained, I suppose. And yeah. I, I know you've done a lot of media work, but are you someone who's wanted to be out there and on the front of magazines and really pushing yourself or not really? I think <clears throat> initially when I started doing well, like Champion Apprentice and, you know, then winning the July Cup and the Beverly D, I think it's, it's good for you your profile yeah. um, but at the end of the day I, you know the best thing about it is riding the horses and I think that I did a bit of an overload with the media and riding and just doing everything that um, when I wasn't doing as well then I just got you know exhausted and a bit sour with the whole thing so 
um, yeah, I definitely think it's, it's mm. better now. So you're happy now, you're in a good place. Yeah. Ready to kick on yeah. up towards a thousand winners. How long have you got before you get to it? Oh, um, it's not that. It's not that far. Oh, is it? it is. It's, well, I've got um, not that I'm counting, but I'm on one hundred and eight hundred and thirty-six. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be nice to do, but it's um, just knock off seventy next year and a hundred the following year, and you're, yeah, you're job away. Done. You're away. Yeah. Take me back to where it to where it all started. I mean, were were you always going to be a jockey or not? Um, not no because I'm not from a racing background at all, um, so I actually didn't even watch racing. Um, my mum is a riding instructor, or was, mm -hmm. and um, so I used to follow her around. You know, we didn't have a, our own horses, but I used to ride other people's, and um, I think that was the good thing about sort of learning to ride on the tricky ponies. They're the only ones I got yeah. to ride at the time, so. Um, and then when I, I, I enjoyed school more for the social side of it than being educated so um when i i did okay i did okay at school got a few gcse's but i wasn't mm -hmm. i wasn't into doing anything academic i wanted to sort of be more hands-on and a friend of mine at school adam pogson mm -hmm. he was um he's actually training now he was a, his father was a permit holder charles pogson yeah i remember and um so he was going to the doncaster racing school so i went up there for a taste today with him and and my mum and dad and I thought, yeah, I could do this. So, and that's how it all started. And you always seem quite relaxed and just take, take things in, in your stride and not, not agonising too much over, over decisions. Is, is that just the way you come across? Is that, or is that really the way you are? I think um, I, I just do, well, what I enjoy really. And I'm lucky to have a job that yeah. I enjoy so much. But um, if I stop liking something, I change it and... I think that it's sort of how you feel at the time. You can't really plan too far ahead and and just go with it. So I don't like to have really high expectations and put myself under pressure. And I think that's the best way to do things. And so when you went to the to the racing school, did you immediately think, well, yeah, I feel at home here. This is my it's an environment I, I belong in. Yeah, I think so because I used to ride some of the really tricky ponies, and yeah. you know, I. I I'd be rather that when I was at school I wasn't top of the class but then when I went to the racing school I was like one of the best ones there and so that was that was nice as well I mean I, I think I still hold the the record I got ran off with on the gallops I think I went around there about five times um, but and you know I fell off a lot but there was people there that had never ridden before so I felt like you mm. know quite superior there and so I thought yeah I could be good at this but you didn't mind you didn't mind being run away with you just you oh, just no. sort of went went with it and you were I'm guessing you were pretty brave um yeah straight stupid perhaps <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I always like a challenge you know and it's a, when I left um, racing school I went to work for Mark Polglaze and I mm -hmm. was there was a horse that used to the head lad could only ride and he was away and I was like, I'll ride it, I'll, you know, just because I wanted the, the challenge and then he'd run off with me and it was, you know, a disaster. But, um, yeah, weirdly, I, I kind of like challenges and doing stupid stuff. And so you then challenged yourself, I'm guessing, to, to become a, jo a jockey. So you got your, your apprentice licence and, and you were away, but it, it didn't have a, a happy start, did it? No, I was... Um, I was living down at the training centre at Southall Racecourse. It's like a little house attached to a barn. And um, 
my dress was born to, <laughs> Racecourse Road. And Declan Carroll um, trained next mm. door to Mark Polglaze and I, um, I got my licence out and he gave me my first ride, even though my licence was with Mark Polglaze. So what, are you 17? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was a horse called Mark Ellis, and um, so it was two miles at Southwell, and I had to do, I think, I claimed seven off 7.10, and so I had to lose, like, a pound or something, because I was pretty light at the time, and um, Declan was like, just go in the sauna, you'll be fine at the races. So I'm, like, oblivious. I walked, there's a door into the sauna from the girls' changing yeah. rooms, and I walked into the sauna, and there was, like, five naked jockeys there and I was like oh my god I wasn't expecting any guys to be in there mm. and um, there was like a Tony Culhane and Dean Murner and Fergal Lynch and I think Joe Fanning was in there and it was just one I'd never forget it and I sat there for about three minutes I didn't sweat at all and just like left quietly with my towel wrapped around me I was like so I didn't do that again. But um, anyway, I rode, the, I rode the horse and um, it was over two miles and I got to the mile marker and he like took a bad step and he kind of nearly fell down but he managed to stand up and everyone else just shot off and I was just stood there at the mile marker like, I got off him and he'd broke his leg and so then the sort of, everyone came running over to me and the, they had to, it was like before they were injected and they actually shot him on the track, which they don't do anymore. And then I had to untack him and then walk back across the track. And then my mum and dad had stood there waiting for me to pass the finishing post and I never turned up and then they saw me and I was like, I thought, oh my God, are you okay? I was like, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> you know, because it's just the emotion yeah. and the adrenaline running through me and then that had happened. And so that was, it wasn't a good start, but it weirdly, it didn't put me off, so. Uh, do you think that was because you were young and you were quite fearless and you were just ready for the next step? Because yeah. for a lot of people that would have been a quite a traumatic experience. Yeah, I, I, yeah, perhaps. But f for me, it was, you know, it was a, it was, it wasn't very nice, but um, it wasn't something that sort of scarred me. So. Mm. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. Welcome back. You're watching Luck on Sunday. Hayley Turner is still with me and joined now by BBC Radio 5 Live's racing correspondent Cornelius Lysett. Welcome back, Cornelius. Hello, thank you very much. Do you know, I, it was 12 months ago today that I was last here. Oh, my God. It's a year. And, Where's uh, the year gone? I was, I was plugging a book. Mm. And what makes me really chuffed every Sunday when I obviously watch is it. Is it still here? Is it still there? Is but still there? you've knocked I'm it over there. at some point. There so it is. If, if there's ever one copy World still courses, required, uh, by Cornelius I know that I'm going to break into the studios here and, mm. and flog it for... Hang on. For <laughs> <laughs> very reasonable. So now, that is still now here. Now available Nick. in... Well, I should put a sticker on it saying, now 2 99 <laughs> Now 22 99 I think the expression you're looking for. But that's still here. But the pastries... You know, I have. There is a 12 year old boy yeah. on the borders of Berkshire and Hampshire, uh -huh. John O'Balding, son of Andrew. Mm -hmm. I said I'd come in this morning, I'd take a bite out of the pastry just to prove it was correct. It was a, a true pastry. And that hadn't been here since Dennis Hogan and Rafe Beckett were here uh, <laughs> seven days ago. And there's nothing here. I well, took them off the table because I'm gluten free. Of course, that's free. Of course, yeah. you're gluten free. <laughs> Can't you have gluten free pastries? Well, I'm, I'm hoping in a few moments' time that our, our specialist food and drink experts are going to make us 
something to eat this morning. That's why, right? That, so that's why the pastries are not here. Is the tri you're actually going to get? I was about to do a Joe Lyons on you when you when you were doing the program from yeah. from Ireland the other day. Mm -hmm. He said you had the pastries for Dermot Well, but not for me. <laughs> I was about to get as annoyed as Joe. Yeah, we had the pastries <laughs> for Colin McKenzie and Claude Duval, but not for Cornelius Lysett. So what the the challenge for Tom Parry now is to make you something gluten free. I mean, I, I don't know why we're turning this into Sunday. But <laughs> to blame my producer. Why not? Uh, and. Uh, and there is, there is some booze coming in as well. Really? Yeah. Uh, at a ridiculous hour. It's a tiny bit early for me. Well, only a tiny bit. Yeah, if it's not gluten-free, I will have a drink well, instead. And be, <laughs> you, can you can celebrate with all the, all the Welsh after mm. the rugby. Yeah. How's that, that going? I don't know how yeah, that's going. It was 6-3 when I, to South Africa last time I looked. 6-3 to South Africa mm. at the moment. Okay, fine. Two well, of my, you, two of my uh, rugby playing uh, journalistic colleagues are off to uh, Santa Anita this afternoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marcus, the two Marcuses, Marcus mm -hmm. Tannen and Marcus Armitage, and they're going Air New Zealand. And after yesterday, they are really very nervous. Oh, they're going to no. get a bumpy ride. Oh, you know, they won't. Yeah. They won't like the look of two sort of burly rugby supporting uh, um, racing journalists. Well, obviously, I'm on the world's favourite airline, so. Are you, yes, oh, I'm well. sad. Are you going I, today, Nick? I am <laughs> going today, Cornelius. Yes, yeah, straight after this program. You have the biggest suitcase <laughs> I've ever seen. Even <laughs> Haley, who who likes a wardrobe, she looked at that uh, suitcase <laughs> in awe. <laughs> Thinking no man could possibly have I a could have fit it easy, <laughs> two of me. What? I'm going to um, South Africa next month, so I'd rather Wales beat them today so that we don't have to beat them in the final. And then we won't get frowned upon when we get over there. Are they good fun, those jockeys' challenges? Oh, ridiculous amount of fun. It is just... <laughs> it, we've, we've been so many times... Um, we went over actually a few years ago and Rab Havlin got married out there in Mauritius because yeah. Mauritius Airways sponsor it so we fly via Mauritius and then we had Patsy, Frankie and Rab on the beach getting married in kilts and it was just, just mad. It was the most fun um, and they really look after us well. We have one day's race in this year which is at Tourfontaine um, so that'll be you know, we don't take it very seriously. We have good fun. I've had had a winner out there and and whatnot. But the the lads out there are, are great fun as well. The international um, jockeys. So. Well, I would love to talk about the international yeah, racing. Sorry. And, and, no, no, but I, 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 I genuinely me. no, no, no. <laughs> this is much more fun. But there is the serious business, which we take very seriously, of Cheltenham, which began yeah. this weekend. You did ask Haley before we came on air. Have yeah. you ever been to Cheltenham? And she never answered. I have been to Cheltenham. Yeah. Right. yeah. Once, Never twice. Well, you must have jumped when you were little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I definitely have a go, but I, I think I'd need to wait till I retire again, mm -hmm. because if I fall off, um, which I do quite often, I'd probably break something. So I need to just fulfil my last few years riding as a flat jockey. Well, you, you, have, you have proven that retirement is only a temporary state yeah, of mind. It's not exactly. actually, it's not, it's, not, it's not a definite concept necessarily. No, and, and, and jockeys are riding way into the 50s now, so. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. we'll see. Right, let's talk about some of the performances we saw over the, over the weekend at Cheltenham with Newbury and Doncaster um, falling by the wayside. We can have a look at Al Dancer winning the novices' chase over two miles for Nigel and Sam Twist. And Davis, the horse on the left is Getaway Trump. Paul Nichols is a big two-mile novice chase hope for this season, or at least one of them. Ran very well, but slightly blew up. Not so Al Dancer in the hood, who just kept um, bowling away. And, and I, I thought Cornelius after the race and Sam Twist and Davis was pleased but felt that there was more to come yeah and uh, they're, they're clearly excited I, I think that the um, uh, getaway Trump actually should be certainly noted for, for the future because actually he jumped really nicely didn't he uh, before 
things didn't quite work out at the end. But uh, Al Dancer get, kicking off the this. Now there is no uh, race course probably in in these islands where the locals are more into it. And the fact that Fergal O'Brien and Nigel Twiston Davis had winners early on, including Al Dancer here for the Twiston Davis team on the first day. And Sophie Leach had a good time as well, and she trains just down the road. David Bridgewater with the winner as well. David Bridgewater as well with uh, the conditional. Uh, so uh, that, even though the weather wasn't great, etc., it was the everyone was walking around saying Happy New Year, Happy New Year, and I've never seen so much tweed since we were last here in April, or uh, whatever people were saying. And uh, you know, people really getting into it, and the locals loving the local winners. Well, yesterday, as I was walking out of Chelham, there were a, a few guys in the tweed, in the funny, funny colour trousers, you know, the mauve trousers, the pink trousers, the red trousers, all singing "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot." I thought, there, there it is. It, for some people, that is everything. Rugby and Cheltenham rolled into one, and funny colour trousers. And when it, when it works timings-wise, so you could do do breakfast at the rugby and then the afternoon yeah. at the races. I remember going to Huntingdon races on the day that England won the World Cup final, and I don't remember it being a terribly nice day. I think best mate ran that day and got beaten. Yeah. Uh, by Gilles de Cochet, uh, but we'd all done the rugby in the morning uh, and England had won, so really, um, you know, uh, the, the, the spirits might have been lowered considerably that best mate had been beaten, but although we knew that obviously things would improve in the future, we, everyone was in a good mood because of the rugby. What's our next weekend then if we do win? The final uh, Saturday morning, is what, it, is, what is happening? Well, I know Newmarket's on, flat racing. Oh, Charlie Hall Chelsea, Chase, uh, Breeders' Cup yeah, weekend. Breed, Breeders' Cup in the evening. Oh, of course, God, blimey, it's a day of sports, isn't There's it? There's a lot going on. Yeah. You need to, well, you'll probably be riding, but, you know, really, you'd want to be there with your eight screens in front of you trying yeah. to work out what's going to happen. I don't know if there's any darts on next weekend, though. Boxing? Boxing, boxing? Yeah. yeah. There's So I'll ride out for Michael Bell um, and then back home to watch the rugby and hopefully Newmarket. Well, whatever the boxing was last night, I saw mm -hmm. the jockey Callum Rodriguez, who's obviously a boxing buff, he tweeted this morning, it was whatever the big fight was last night, it was the best he'd ever seen. So yeah, was there a big, I heard there was that. Big... I, I, I was driving, so I, I didn't get to watch it, but um, I've heard that it was very close and not everyone's mm. happy with the results, so there's going to be a, a rematch. Excellent, excellent. Well, we will continue this in a little while. We'll head back to, to Cheltenham and have a look at Champagne well winning for Fergal O'Brien. First leg of a treble for him on Friday, which was a significantly notable achievement. Cornelius, you were impressed with this. Yellow colours the, the outside, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 word, the word was out that this was a, uh, was, uh, a, a prospect that they, the team were really looking forward to seeing on the race course. I like the fact that it didn't all go sweetness and light. Look at him, you know, a couple of times there, Paddy Brennan just having to to make certain he was realising everything that was going on, jump that nicely and look at the, what you've got, one, two, three, four others mm -hmm. all trying to throw down challenges and they're stout challenges as well. But this horse is having none of it, is he? He's sticking his neck out. Oh, I thought this was a really taking performance and the, the O'Brien team, uh, which is in the process of moving from uh, Norton to the, the place near the A40. I'm, I'm not sure what the new stables are actually called. I did say to Fergal, I know there's a there's a pub close by that I used to stop off at, or my parents stopped off at, and I went with them as a child called the Frog Mill. Yes. And uh, which is jolly nice, sort of on the main road between Oxford and Gloucester. And he said, oh, that's far too posh for us. We're going to go with our Wellington boots and our muddy and our muddy clothes to the the pub in Andoversford High Street. That's uh, that's going to be the one. Well, I think for, the Frog Mill is Kim Bailey territory as well, so there's pro they probably don't want to. You know, oh right, the, the battle of the frog mill could take place. The battle of the frog mill, exactly. Well, at the moment, it's a battle that's. Been but that was a really taking performance. Wasn't firmly it? won by Fergal O'Brien, who joins us on the line now. Morning, Fergal. 
Good morning, Nick. So have you found this? Cornelius. Have you found this pub that uh, that Cornelius was talking about? <laughs> What's we, it called? We use we use both pubs quite quite a bit actually. So. Uh, the, the frogman, frog I just don't think, will want us on a Saturday morning in our muddy boots. <laughs> Cornelius, being a reporter, just likes to dress it up as, as a, a battle between the O'Briens and the Baileys, which is not at all. <laughs> well, it's um, a friendly battle. Uh, it's, yeah, a very friendly, friendly battle. It's, it's national hunt racing. We're all friends in, in this game, Fergal, aren't well, we? It's not friendly between me and Kim Bailey. Sorry, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're cer you've certainly made a massive, massive start from the, from the new yard. As I said to you on Friday, that must be so reassuring for you when you're learning a new place, new gallops, new new everything. Yeah, um, yeah. Raven's on a farm, which you know uh, Rupert and Nikki Lowe kindly converted to to um, uh, a racing yard. You know, the farm builders are already there, but we've had to install the four furlong uphill gallop at school and strip, and uh, we're about to do a three furlong round gallop. Um, Rupert and Nikki have been very supportive, and um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fantastic place. The only bit I envy Kim Bailey is he gets to look at me every morning so uh, yeah so uh, but I'm really looking forward to, to getting in there full time rather than the yard it's split between the two at the minute and, uh, and cracking on yeah. So Champagne well looks a, a smart prospect the market suggested he was going to get the job done and he did what sort of horse do you see him as through the rest of the season? Um, I, I, I thought we were going to go chasing with him but um, uh, Omer and, and, and Sally overruled me on that one um, we were going to start off at, at, at Chef Stubb um, Paddy thinks now we should stay at Hurdles for now. Look, like I said to you on the day, we're a little bit frustrated at Ludlow when we lost the race, but it could be the making of him. He's a mm. lovely horse, and uh, he did it very well the other day. The, the race, everything went against him, really. It was a slow run race because we had him in the 2 7 on the Saturday as well. And it was a slow run race, and um, you know, he had Paddy had the press on soon enough, and he was in front long enough. And but you know, when um, uh, Gordon Elliott's horse came to him again towards the line, he Paddy said he was picked, picked up again and went again, you know. so um, yeah, I think he's a, he's a really nice horse. I thought the, one of the interesting things about your treble on Friday was it's three different riders and two young yeah. riders doing very well at Cheltenham at the back end of the day. Petite power and a very, very assured young man, Liam Harrison, in the, in the saddle as well. Yeah, uh, very lucky to have the two boys, you know, very lucky to have the three boys. You know, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy walked the course with a pair of them. Um, Liam and Connor get on very well. They've been uh, pony racing together. Um, and um, you know that they're they are the future. You know, so uh, we we hope that you know, the new yard will take us to another level. And you know, Paddy's been Paddy's a great help, and you know he's great with entries and, and going forward. Um, but these two boys are keeping him sharp as well. You know, Paddy is still very hungry, and and um, you know he's still riding very well. He, he was he was he was fantastic, even on the ones didn't when he was great on the bumper horse yesterday, finished second. Um, yeah, so to have those three there, and Alan Coley is, is, is in right now for us. And Max Kendrick, Max rides one for us today. Mm -hmm. Max is a great part of the team as well, and he's brought a different, uh, you know, a, a lot of fun to, the, to, to our school in the morning as well. So mainly because he falls off, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he, but he's a great lad. And Benny's Bridge won the last. Now that was a cool ride from from Connor Brace. I'm guessing you told him not to win too far, but uh, he ended up winning by about seven lengths. It was perfectly executed. Yeah, I think Connor thought it was a three-mile race, so um, he just sat on the back. <laughs> no, he didn't, I'm joking. Uh, Paddy gave me his ride instructions. He watched the race last time. He did say he was going to come down wide, you know, once he started to put him into the race. That didn't happen for him, and, um, you know, he, he, he produced him lovely. Yeah. He's a lovely horse, and, and Benny's won there simpler. Uh, it, 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 I think it's the April meeting on, on soft ground as well. So um, he knows his way around there. So, uh, yeah, it was a lovely ride. It was a confident ride. 
and um, yeah, he's a very you know I think one of the one of the best climbers around. Yeah, and I don't know how your constitution takes your celebrations because <laughs> I, I I don't I, I your heart rate must go up to about two hundred beats a minute. Uh, yeah, probably more. I should imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, look, it's what we do day in day out, and it's, it's you know. I hate watching it back, but at the time, I don't even know that that's what you're doing, um, what, I'm, what I'm doing, you know. So uh, it's just how I feel at that moment in time, and that's, you know, that's the, the, the complete high. The, the, the flip side of it is by 8 o'clock, I'm absolutely shattered. And um, and I have to go home and have a cup of tea and go to bed. But yeah, I mean, we're so lucky. To, the, the first day of the season there, Cheltenham, to, to, to you know, have three winners is it's unbelievable. You know, it's just, I, I really I really couldn't believe it. i you know, delighted with Petty Power. He's been off for so long. Uh, John and Val King, his owners, could have easily gave up on him. You know, he, had, he missed all of last season because of a, of a back injury. Um, and, um, but they, you know, Louise Cable did all the pre-training on him. And he camped us uh, probably, I don't know, six weeks ago or something like that. And, um, you know, we just had to, to do, do, do the final bits with him. Um, Liam has ridden him in all his work at home because we always sort of had this race in mind. And, um, you know, it all came, came off. I said to, to, to Mr. King, I said to John the day before, look, he could go there and pull up, but at least down the road, we'll get a nice lunch. Um, so I can't let me forget that, but he, he didn't back him at 12 to 1. So, yeah. Might be able to go to the frog mill. <laughs> Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear yeah? Is he still there? <laughs> Just choosing to let that one go. Um, Fergal, give me one for this week. Um, I've got a lovely horse called Imperial Alcazar running today uh, at Aintree in the first, and uh, I think I hope Temple Park will run well at Wincanton. Well, the way they're running, I've, I've no doubt that they will run well. Fergal, thanks so much. Congratulations on a great day, great weekend for you. See you in the frog mill. Uh, thank, thank you very much, dear. Thanks for ringing. Thank you. Fergal O'Brien, did you get sense you were testing a sense of humour with the recurring frogmill gag there, or I, I think that it might have been a crackly line to the Cotswolds. Yes, know? it might be. I, 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 I hope don't so. think. I think testing Fergal's sense of humour would be close to impossible. It probably. I'm sure it probably. The other is. person definitely worth mentioning in all this is Chris Coley, the yeah. the backer of the yard, who has been the very definition of national hunt enthusiast for many, many years. Uh, and he's got the yes, no, wait, sorrys, the stripy yes. colours. He's the backer. He is the, the mastermind to a large extent behind the business side of all this. Mm. And he is getting well rewarded. And he's loving every minute and has a very nice horse, I thought, the one at Chepstow the other day called Jarvis Jarvis Plate. Plate. Mm. And uh, the, those of us in the media will remember one of his former syndicate colleagues, Alan Lee, the yeah. late Alan Lee, late racing correspondent of the Times. And I said to, to Chris on Friday, he would be, he is looking down and he would be loving every minute of this because uh, they've been dreaming of doing this for years and years and years and it's coming off with you know three winners in one day at Cheltenham for goodness Un sake. Unbelievable, an unbelievable story. We're going to take a canter through uh, the remainder of the, the action from, or the significant action from Cheltenham over the weekend. We'll start with San Calvados who was very good yesterday under top weight in the two mile chase. Yeah. Now he, he carried a big weight Cornelius, he was ridden differently, it opens up options for Harry Whittington and co. Yeah, third time lucky at Cheltenham though having said that his two previous runs at Cheltenham were in and the Arkle in the the Queen Mother Champion Chase, so therefore clearly no disgrace. But this was a really nice performance in the conditions with that amount of weight and conceding a massive amount of weight to uh, the runner-up. Uh, oh, Vanita. Yeah, absolutely, second, running another lovely race. And this combo of Harry Whittington and Gavin Sheehan 
is particularly potent. And Gavin Sheehan going really, really well at the moment, and there's another success for him. This was the most popular win of the day. To be fair, for Welsh trainer Deborah Hamer and rider Tom Bellamy, a horse who rattled up seven wins three seasons ago on the spin. Cornelius, what did he start his handicap career off? Uh, a mark of, with, with uh, Deborah Hamer, off a mark of 81, and one on yesterday off a mark of 149. Amazing. Which is an extraordinary upturn. He had that really successful run. Uh, then he ran in the per temps final, didn't he, at Cheltenham and finished, I think he beat one or two home. And maybe the experience of going to Cheltenham that day uh, adversely affected him because to an extent he, he didn't entirely lose the plot, but he lost the, the, yeah. the winning way for quite a long time. But then he bounced back in April and that mm. performance yesterday was a, a really nice performance off a huge weight, 11 stone 12, in and however ground. good. In that soft ground, that's a that's a really fine performance and great for Deborah Hamer and and family and friends and uh, and the the syndicate. What are they called? The Down the Key Club. You know, this is so important. The, these owners like the Down the Key Club, who are in inverted commas normal people. They're not yeah. shakes. They're not Irish multimillionaires. Uh, they are normal guys who meet down the pub, and they have got a horse that's one like that at Cheltenham again. That is a fact. That that has has the potential to be one of the great stories of the National Hunt season. And it just the keeps, it's, the, it's the gift that keeps on giving this yeah. story as well. Let's have a look at Ramsey's Detail because I know you wanted to have a, a, I a just chat, loved him. A chat yeah. about him. He came off the. He's only seven, but he ran in the Grand National last year. Yeah. Um, he's only ever won prior to yesterday at Chepstow on heavy ground. Well, I suppose that was probably like Chepstow on heavy ground. He was also runner-up in the Welsh Grand National. Uh, uh, another win here for the Pipe and David Pipe, Tom Scudamore combination. Tom Scudamore only just back from a broken wrist. And uh, at the end, you could really see, yeah, yeah. see that, how excited. Only a little that, hurdle, that, I don't know if it was that wrist, but giving that little wrist a test with a little punch there, that was a really nice performance. And that is a horse, I would say, to be following to the, the major long distance chases, especially if the ground is very yeah. soft in the in the months ahead. I would have thought the Welsh National at Chepstow, in which he was second last year, would be a major target for him. Let's have a look at Slate House, because this was probably the most impressive mm. winner of the whole weekend at Cheltenham. Look at this, he absolutely bolts up for Colin Tizard. He'd had a couple of wind operations and, and they've, they've obviously, obviously worked, worked haven't they? <laughs> uh, you know, this was really travelled throughout the race, like the, the wind operations had, had gone really well. Uh, I thought the, um, I don't know if we're going to see the, the runner-up in a second, well, the butcher said was second, wasn't yeah. it? I thought the butcher said conceding weight ran an absolutely cracking race on the ground as well. It might just have turned out to be a, a, a nice race to be following the contenders from, but the butcher said conceding weight. A.P. Heskin, who's a, a rider definitely going to make it, Adrian Heskin, going to make a big impression this year. And he was very, uh, very good on Mark A bigger Hill. impression, I should yeah. say, this year. On Friday. And he's, ha he's, having, he's having a good time. One for Arthur. I know Cornelius wanted to oh, talk about him. It. Scotland's Grand National winner of three years ago, three seasons ago, I should say. So where say. is he? There he, there, there, there he is, being encouraged along by his rider. He, he's the, the claret sleeves there yeah. in third. I'll tell you what, if I were the golf widows, I'd be, I'd be telling... The, the partners, you know, the golf's all cancelled for the next few months because you're going to have to come and watch this horse wherever we go. So the distance was three and a quarter miles. Uh, the, the horse hasn't uh, was running for the first time for some time. Mystery. That was a, a very nice performance by in the orange colours for Michael Scudamore and team by Mystery to to win. But one for Arthur keeps on going. Uh, to, that, that race at Kelsey yesterday was not the big target for 
for trainer Lucinda Russell and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the, I imagine in the Beecher Chase uh, and it'd be quite an interesting little um, uh, you know he'd be back there uh, I think did he have a he might have had a calamity in a Beecher Chase in the past or, yes I think uh, he did yeah, yeah I think he did. So, so therefore you know the Grand National is obviously the big target uh, for him but uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him over the big fences uh, and what he'll be running in his, if he gets to Aintree, OK, he'll be running in his third Grand National in four years, yeah. having won one of them and run very respectably he, last year. He ran a terrific race yeah. last year. Did you, did you enjoy that? Yeah. That's it? I, yeah. I was just thinking that like all the horses we've just watched, they're only going to be like 70% fit and ready to Absolutely. go, aren't they? Because it's, it's like the beginning of the flat like season the in meeting. March. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, you know, some are going to... Some are going to get weak and, you know, burst the bubbles of the owners and trainers, and some are just going to progress, yeah. aren't they? I think the interesting thing is that on that ground yesterday, which is much softer than you'd usually expect at this time of year at Cheltenham, the effect that may have left on one or two horses who were hoping to have a rather easier experience than perhaps they might have done. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Cruel Dubai. So tremendous performance from Japan to win the Cox Plate and an excellent run back and forth from the prolific globetrotter Magic Wand. But she's not the only star in Aidan O'Brien's yard to have racked up the air miles this year. Many of them have, but nothing like Hunting Horn, who has been just about everywhere and struck again yesterday in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup. And Aidan joins me on the line now to talk about that and indeed a very busy week ahead. Aidan, good morning. Uh, good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm very well. I know your time is limited. I thank you for joining us. First of all, a tip of the hat to both Magic Wand and Hunting Horn. Uh, they are quite amazing, what they've done this year. You know, we were delighted with uh, both the runs. Uh, uh, and it, um, uh, both of them uh, ran very good races we And what inspired you to take them down under? Because they both had a few trips to America this year. They've been to the Middle East. What was, what was it about Australia that you thought might suit them? I, I suppose them um, both like nice ground, and uh, but we just have both races through them. Uh, like we think um, Magic Wand is very comfortable at uh, mile and a quarter on on fast ground, and uh, and uh, obviously uh, Hunting Horn is a very good farm over mile and a quarter as well. But we always thought that he, like he gets much further, and uh, he likes nice quick ground as well. And for horses just to keep coming back and delivering, and Hunting Horn's played all sorts of different roles during the course of this season. Uh, did you identify very early on in the year that he's the sort of horse you could do that with? I suppose he's a horse like travelling, and uh, he, he travels a lot, um, and races don't seem to take much out of him. Uh, he's, a, he's a very good mind, and he's a very sound horse. So I, I suppose um, we, we always thought that he was a horse that, that is a race that would suit, and, uh, and we always thought that he wouldn't even maybe get further. I know it might sound like a daft question, but what makes a good traveller? I suppose the horses that have good minds and, and they they um, come out of the race as well and, and they uh, they're quick to adopt. Uh, they they um, eat well and, and uh, I suppose they, they don't uh, get too faced about what you're asking them to do or where, they, where you're asking them to go, really. And where are you going to ask the, the pair of these to, to go next? I, I suppose they, they have options. Uh, the filly has a, a, an option of the Melbourne Cup or the McKinnon, and uh, and the plan was with uh, Hunting Horn was to go to the Melbourne Cup next. A busy week for you upcoming. You'll be off to <clears throat> beg your pardon to Santa Anita to supervise the team for the for the Breeders' Cup. Is that all going to plan as things stand? 
Yeah, everything uh, so far. Uh, like the horses are doing their um, they do their last canter on on Monday morning, and then they're going to travel uh, Monday afternoon. So uh, so far, everything looks good. And obviously, the headline horse at the moment is is magical. She had the the two entries. You said she was going to go Phillies race. The first preferences in the turf. Though that, that we know before that that's kind of academic. Do you still think the Phillies race against Sister Charlie is where she'll end up? Yeah, I think so. Listen, yeah, the Phillies race is always going to be the race that uh, that she was going to go uh, if if um, if um, uh, um, Anthony Van Dyke ran into turf. And and how's her preparation go, uh, gone since Ascot? Yeah, no good. Uh, look, obviously she hasn't done much. Um, she, she's not a pretty, uh, needs to do much between her races. Um, but she seems in, in good form. Patrick arrives every day, is very happy. And Patrick who leads her and, and Jamie who's in charge of her, all, all seem very happy with her. And is that decision to go the Phillies race purely because Anthony Van Dyke, you feel you've got him in, in really good shape for the turf and that's a race you feel you can, you can do well in with him? Well, the, the, plan, the plan with him was, all, was to go to the, the turf. Um, um, if, if, um, if he was well um, the, and he could have run in the arc if the ground had been good but it wasn't so we didn't go there um, but the, that was a race that we always thought would suit him he's like nice ground he's, uh, he's based for a mile and a quarter uh, he, and he gets a mile and a half so um, that was always going to be uh, one of his uh, late season targets and he did that piece of done, uh, work at Dundalk the other day he looked like he was moving like a horse in really good form yeah, absolutely. He's done a good ride from all the time and rides him in his work and, and uh, been very happy with him. Um, he's, he's a lovely horse uh, with a lovely mind, a good mover. Um, and uh, no, listen, we, we, we were delighted with him in Dundalk, really. And, and is Fleeting still on course to, to, to travel with them uh, for the Phillies race? Yes, at the moment. Uh, she, well, she just has to catch in there now and, and she's to be in good form. Um, she's been so unlucky this season. Do you think there's one last hurrah in her? Um, we think, obviously, we think that she's in good shape still. Um, she she uh, things just haven't always went away, but she's run some great races. Um, so we, we we think and hope uh, uh, that she's in good shape, and then hopefully we'll run a big race. And could she stick around next year? Uh, it's possible. Uh, like obviously the lads haven't really decided what they're keeping in training yet. Um, and, and I suppose uh, a week after, a week or two after the British Cup, they will start talking about that. But I think there is probably a chance, but you couldn't be sure, yes. And is Circus Maximus in good form ahead of the mile? Yes, good. He seems everything good with him. Um, he was in uh, Dundalk as well uh, recently and uh, uh, seems in good form. Um, he had an option of going to Ascot, um, but when um, Magna Grisa was going there, then we just sidestepped it and, and, uh, and uh, managed to go to the mile. Now, seems in good form. And I know your time is limited, Aidan, but just one final uh, uh, question. The Verton for Charity has been rescheduled to Newcastle on Friday night. Uh, it, does that suit you OK? I think so. I, I think it will be fine. Uh, obviously, Newcastle is a very good track, and uh, uh, hopefully the horses are well. Hopefully, uh, we look forward to running up there. And will, will the same group of horses that were originally declared be, be on the plane again? That's the plan at the moment, anyway, Nick. So uh, that's what we're thinking at the moment. Um, Aidan, you're off to St. Cloud this afternoon, is that right? Yeah, no, Longsham, I think. I'm, Longsham, I'm so sorry, it was St. Cloud yeah, yesterday, yeah. wasn't it? You yeah, were second yeah, and third, yeah. the group one there. Um, how, about yeah. the, how about this afternoon's race? What, what, kind of, what can we yeah. look forward to this afternoon? Yeah, happy with both calls. Um, uh, they're in good form. Um, we had a good run the last day in Longsham, and, uh, and uh, which they had a good run in the Zuhar. So yeah. both of them seem in good form, so hopefully they're on well.
Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. We're going to take a trip to Lambourne, to Warren Greatchecks, who was himself successful at Cheltenham over the weekend with Malkahi's Hill, to talk to him about his star mare, who was so good in novice chases last season. Anthony Dunkley has visited the Lambourne trainer to talk about La Bagarroi. One mare in particular who's jumping has well, lit up the season last year was La Bagarroi. How's her summer been? She's come back in looking fantastic and... Uh, I couldn't be happier with her at the moment. You know, her work's good. I think she's got stronger. Um, we schooled her last week um, and she was breathtaking. Um, she is just, for a, a, a jumper of an obstacle, you don't get any better. She's, she is so quick and accurate. And um, like Richard says, every time he rides her, he doesn't have to really do anything. It's, he just leaves it to her. Um, but no, I'm, I couldn't be happier with her now um, at this stage. And I can't wait to the Charlie Hall. Did you envision that she'd have the impact that she did on the national hunt season last year? Um, I've always thought she's had it in there. Um, there was a slight trepidation because she, over hurdles, her jumping, she was always a bit flippant. So we made sure we did loads of schooling with her and she went to head nights um, and did plenty there. But I was, I was amazed how quickly she took to chasing. I remember going to Newbury um, sort of this time last year and it looked a good little race and I was sort of thinking if she finished second or third that would be great but she, she dominated that race and put some very good horses you know, you know, out of the contest really and then, from, and then it, it was just a joy from them because from what I'd seen all through her career this was, this was going to be uh, you know I, I was getting excited that this is obviously what she was made to do and, you know you, you saw her this morning she, she's made to jump um, she's so athletic, she's so light on her feet, um, and you put that together as well, she stays well, and she's got the heart of a lion, and I would pretty much, when she's on song, if she was going to the last upsides, any horse, I think they would know they've had a race anyway, because she, she will not give in. Flying the flag for England going to the Dublin Racing Festival, you were one of very few who actually made the call to make the trip. Were, were you surprised about that? I can see why people don't do it because obviously the travelling and you know the, there's every reason to think Irish racing is stronger than us. Um, you know the, the fields are always much bigger, etc. Um, and I just thought at that time, ground-wise, um, etc. And I wasn't keen to go to Cheltenham for the trials day because I sort of hadn't. Although I was thinking of Cheltenham, it was still I had worries about the track for her. But to go over there, I have to say, I've never been... I, I get a bit anxious before, but I was sick to the stomach going out there because it's, it's a big call, you know, if you're taking your best novice going, into, going over to Ireland against the best over there. If it doesn't pay off, you, you look a bit of a fool. Um, but it did, and, you know, the reception the Irish crowd gave her was just nothing like I've ever heard. And it was just phenomenal, and I think... That sort of brought her to everyone's hearts more because the way she does it, you know, she, she doesn't have to lead, but she tends to be prominent and she's, she's willing to put everything on the line. And for, for my career, it would be something I look back on and think, you know, I owe her a lot for that. Do you think she gets the respect she deserves? Yeah, I, I think she's sort of slightly being forgotten that, you know, at the top of the game, you know, Santini, lost in translation. These are, these are amazing trainers that think these are the best they've got. 
well she's beaten all of them and so therefore yeah yeah because you you when they've done so much for you you back them and you want them to be recognized by everybody and I thought there were times last year where you know there was it was you know being the quarto star that everyone was sort of saying because top of the game if he'd come later he would have got her well I wasn't such a, you know I don't know but Richard Johnson thought no chance he said if it had come later she would have still won because that's the horse she is. She showed amazing versatility last year, winning over three, winning over two and a half, variety of different grounds. What's her ideal scenario? Good to soft ground, three mile, flat track, left-handed or right-handed, doesn't matter. Good, strong gallop. My plan has sort of thinking forward, King, Charlie Hall, King George, and King George this year could be the best we've seen for a long, long time. So that would be the first half season target, I presume, and then after that, we'll take a look and review it. But put it this way, if she if she won those two, <laughs> I wouldn't matter if she stopped for the season, to be honest. <laughs> but you know that that would be the plan because I think Kempton, you know, it, it comes to her strengths. You know, it, they go a real end-to-end -end gallop, I mean, flat track, generally not really soft ground. Um, and last year she showed that in a fast-run race. They weren't really going quick enough because we were happy just to let them, you know, dr let her drop in. And by she jumped four fences, she was in front and then was just relentless from there on in. So I don't, yeah, that, that would be the first main target, the King George. There are more obstacles to take, but is she on track to be the best that you've trained? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. She, she's just been so consistent. You know, I will always have a real soft spot for Cole Harden because he was my first grade one winner at the, at the festival. But she, you know, and, and he got to a level, but probably without being rude to him, where he won his races, he was just the toughest horse you will ever train. I will never train a tougher one. But she just has a bit more class and she's just been so consistent. For her form figures to do what she does year in, year out, and she'll still show the enthusiasm, still be up for the fight. And she's just an absolute joy to train. So I, I'll find it hard to find a better one. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. One of the subjects I might be touching on with my next guest, because he is the outgoing group chief executive of the Jockey Club, the most important and weighty commercial organisation in the sport of horse racing. He's held that job for 11 years, prior to which he was the executive chairman of Racecourse Media Group, the parent company of this channel, Racing TV, then known as Racing UK, but something which grew into a much bigger enterprise than people had anticipated at its inception. Prior to that, he was running Music Choice, more of which a little bit later on, and before that he had trained at KPMG. He is Simon Basildet. Simon, thank you very much for joining us here on Luck on My Sunday. Pleasure. And why now, after 11 years in your, in your prime and with a, a portfolio of, of interesting, interesting options and interesting ways of, uh, of deploying your time, why now do you choose to move on and pass the baton to Delia Bushell? Uh, well, it, it should have been five or six years ago uh, when I took this job, or as I like to say, was, was, was tricked into taking this job 11 years ago. I said I'd, I'd guarantee five years. Uh, and before that, twice before, I've tried to go um, go in a different direction and effectively do a multiple of things beyond different boards and different projects. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried that 15 years ago and ended up with 
uh, RMG as executive chairman for I thought six months ended up being five years then I thought I was going to become a part-time chairman non-executive chairman at uh, RMG uh, and start that portfolio career the jockey club sneaked up on me um, and I said I would do five years I've done 11 uh, and I've decided to, to have another go and make sure I get it right this time so that's one of the reasons this has always been my plan uh, and I'm I've, I've, I've always been a bit late in getting getting to where I want to get to, but uh, I've decided now is the time. But also, I also have a feeling that you know, if you do a if you do a job, particularly one I think that is as as is important and as, as challenging as being chief executive of any organisation, certainly the jockey club. I think you know, I think there's a time limit on on your ability to really um, make things happen and to really bring fresh thinking the whole time. And I think 11 years is more than enough. So, so I took the decision that you know the time time was up and it was time for me to get on and do other things and really let let uh, younger, fresher, more energ energetic people come in and and pick up the battle. Was there an extent that you didn't want to become the person that you'd railed against when you first took the job? Uh, that's certainly one of the things that uh, was in my mind. I mean, uh, you know, uh, one of the things I've, I've said elsewhere is that uh, when I when I came in 15 years ago from outside the sport, knowing very little about the sport, and RMG was a great place to learn about it without without necessarily being, uh, you know, <coughs> one of the main stakeholders in the sport. So I learned a lot about it, working effectively uh, uh, for for a number of the race courses, um, and then when I came to the jockey club, part of my mandate was really to build on that, that experience and also the media side and thinking about audiences and customers and that kind of side. Uh, and and it it wasn't a frustration, but part of the challenges was you would come across people who had who had been in the sport a long time who would say, "Well, that's a great idea, young man, but you know, frankly, you know, we tried that 20 years ago and it doesn't work." So you know you're going to quickly find that that's not going to work and you know that was great in one way because that, that gives you the momentum and the energy to kind of say well actually well uh, I think we can make it work this time let's have let's give it a go but I now find myself in a position where people come with great ideas and I say well actually yeah, we thought about that 10 years ago and we didn't really manage to make it work then and I'm kind of thinking I'm becoming I'm becoming the kind of person that you know was was getting in the way 10 or 15 years ago time for me to kind of step aside and let other people you know really really you know have a go at, at cracking a few things you know keep keeping the growth and the momentum going. You have no racing background, you have a, 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 a professional background in, in accountancy, but prior to that a you know, background in, in music and football, I suppose, are your, are your yeah. two great loves in, in life. Uh, could you ever have imagined being chief executive of an organisation like the Jockey Club? No, I think it's uh, I think it's completely bizarre. It's one of the reasons I had to take the job was I thought it was so nuts. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I spent ten years in the city. That was really an accident. That was really just just really trying to get some experience to go on and do other things. Um, and I wanted to run run really um, broadcasters, radio stations. That was my original love. Um, and then I ended up leaving there to go to a startup and in the music and broadcast business. It was kind of next generation radio. So it sort of got back to that space which I wanted to be in uh, and I love the startup world I love the excitement of that that was one of the excitements of you know when we started racing UK and RMG that was really exciting as well there's been a lot of that kind of startup energy mm. uh, and get things done really get things moving create things that weren't there before and then suddenly to be asked to run a company that's been around for 260 years just seemed nuts so I couldn't resist I couldn't resist the temptation is it fair to say that if you were asked to to say what your legacy has been to, to horse racing, it, it owes as much to what you did at Racecourse Media Group as it as it has to to, to your time at, at the Jockey Club in terms of repositioning horse racing's media rights. 
I think that was a very important part of it, um, uh, and that continues, you know, today. That's still a fundamental, very important part of the sport, both commercially, but also how it reaches an audience and engages people and gets people involved in the sport, which I think is a, mm. you know, really important uh, element. But equally, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not all of it. In fact, it's not even the core of it. You're really the media is taking what's there and and presenting it in the in to the world. Um, I think there's lots of things that, that with excitement at the jockey club and the interest in the jockey club is you're right at the heart of it you know you're right at the heart of you know how the racing is put together how we deal with the customer on the race course how do we how do we put together the show in a way that hopefully then the media side can can take forward so so for me it was a much more fundamental mm. part of the sport um, and therefore and still working with RMG because jockey clubs the biggest shareholder in RMG mm. so I've still been involved in RMG for that time as well so for me it just felt like it was an expanded palette to be able to really really make a difference to the sport uh, the interesting point about your your tenure at, at Racecourse Media Group was that the landscape was was shifting insofar as that the original deal, the original at the races deal, had had collapsed yeah. and Racing UK began, and then Racecourse Media Group as a racecourse is trying to sort of take control of their own rights. That was the that was the foundation stone stone of it, and the the sport reali sports realization that the, the the levy was no longer sufficient to fund its fund its entirety. Yeah. You've fought a lot of battles with a lot of people, mainly mainly betting operators, as regards how you how you get what you think is a fair deal for racing. Do you think racing has a fair deal from the betting industry now as we speak? I think there's a much better relationship now. Um, I think we, I was astonished when I came in having had experience of wider rights markets um, and coming into effectively a rights owning business, mm -hmm. horse racing, and discovering how badly it was treated by its licensees. Um, I think we've changed that. I think that's now changed. I think that's healthy for both sides because it's more balanced effectively. Um, racing can't forget that in the end, you need bookmakers and betting operators to do well for racing to do well, both financially, but also in terms of, you know, a big part of our audience are, are, are betting customers. And so you've got to work with um, bookmakers through that angle. But equally, the, the, the betting industry has to recognize that, you know, they, they have a responsibility to racing and that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. And I, I, when I came in, I didn't think that was the case. I felt it was very one-sided. And I think, I think now, although there are still, there are still things to be sorted out, I think fundamentally it's a more balanced relationship now. And if there was w one crucial point early on, it was the formation of Racing UK. Yes, that was important because the, the racecourses were owning their own mm. rights, essentially their own direct-to-home rights. But out of that came Turf TV, which was breaking the bookmakers' hegemony over their, over their, own, over their own pictures, which was a, a pretty difficult time. Were you yeah. always confident that that was a battle that you were going to win? Um, Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you can never be, you know, it's, you can never be certain. Uh, and there was risk, you know, there's, you're always dealing with risk. And uh, in a sense, one of the things that's great about horse racing is, you know, when you're having a bet, it's, it's all about risk and measuring the risk. Um, in business, you don't necessarily want to be going for you know big outsiders mm. because that, that's a risk on the whole particularly if you're betting the farm you, you, you you're not willing to take but you're still managing risk um, and we put a lot of thought into how we launched turf tv i mean that was that was the the major area that was not 
working well and we knew the bookmakers would fight it like crazy and they did and but we set ourselves up so that um, we were able to deal with this I mean the, the actual plan originally this is how plans sometimes work as, uh, as I think, think Napoleon or Wellington or somebody said you know uh, the, the battle plan never lasts very long after contact with the enemy mm. um, the original plan was not to launch turf TV the original plan was to change the balance of the relationship to make it fairer between racing and the the service in the bookmaker shops that was the plan but we knew we couldn't do that without having the backstop if I can use that word of um, effectively being able to do our own channel and we knew we could do that so so the idea was that the bookmakers would realize that we could do that and therefore we would end up um, with a sensible deal with the bookmakers and in fact they ended up calling our bluff but we were prepared for that so, so the worst thing you can do is uh, is would would have been if we if we just had given in to them. But we we were able to say, well, if you're not going to do what we think is fair, we actually do have a plan which we are going to kick off, and we know you're going to take us to court, and we know you're going to do all kinds of things. But we are ready for that. So it's about planning, really, making sure you've got the planning ready. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastia Cruel Dubai.